Welcome to Genesis One Christian Ministries. So glad you're able to join us here today. Uh, before we dive into the word, let's pray. Dear Lord God, Jehovah, we just praise your most magnificent name, Lord God. And I want to thank you for this opportunity for us to be able to gather together virtually to partake uh, in your word, Lord God. Let these words that come forward be your words. Let them be a blessing to those that hear them, Lord God, and prepare us to be able to receive your words and let them get sunken deep. Uh, within our spirits as seed on fertile ground. These things I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Well, praise God. Again, so glad that you're able to join us here uh, to be able to partake in God's word. Um, and as always, if you don't have your Bible, take a moment and pause this message and go ahead and grab your Bible and maybe a pen and a paper or something to take some, some notes on, highlighter, and then come back and um, resume this message. That way you can see for yourself the things that we're going to talk about today um, in the word of God. Praise God. So let's dive right into scripture here. And we're going to start And our first scripture today is going to be Psalm chapter 37, verse number seven. Okay, That's Psalm 37, verse number seven. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but he shall be, but it shall be no more. And the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plots against the just and gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him, for he sees that his day is coming. Verse 13 again, the Lord laughs at him, for he sees that his day is coming. If you look at what's happening in the world, there's all sorts of wicked schemes that are being executed. Laws are being passed that directly contradict the Bible, and those that support, support these laws become outraged when anyone else comes out in opposition to it. Or if anyone comes out and, and has a different opinion or, or support some other, some other cause or some other, something that's different. And we as Christians are being told that we need to be tolerant, tolerant of these different, uh, of these different, um, uh, beliefs. That we need to just accept them. And, and if we all dare open our mouths, then we're, we're, we're cast out, right? We're cast out. We're labeled as being all sorts of evil and all sorts of these, all sorts of these things. But the reality of it is, is that when we express our opinions as children of God, no one actually wants to hear them, even though they may tell us that we should be accepting of everyone else's opinion with love and with kindness and respect. When it comes to us sharing the things of word of God, that love, kindness and respect isn't reciprocated towards us. Verse number eight tells us, however, that we don't need to be getting angry when these wicked schemes come to pass and when we find ourselves in these situations because it only causes harm. Verse number eight, it says right there, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. 
And we can't afford to act like the world and allow anger to get the best of us. There's plenty of evidence that you can see if you just turn on the news. Plenty of evidence out there that you can see what happens when emotions drive decisions and, and emotion drives anger. And, or I should say when emotion drives your responses to things that maybe you don't believe. Okay, to maybe things that you don't believe. As children of God, we cannot afford to act that way because it doesn't do any good. Verse 10, I'll read that read this. For yet a little while and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plots against the just that gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him, for he sees that his day is coming. These scriptures here should bring us comfort in knowing the fact that God will step in at some point. God will step in at some point. We just need to wait. We just need to watch because God will remove the wicked. Now, I'm not saying that this is and this is not saying that God is going to wipe the earth clean and 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 um, uh, kill those that are wicked. What this is saying is that all of the people that are telling these lies and that are, that are, that are going out and, and passing these w wicked schemes and, and, and doing things that directly contradict the Bible, that they will have their place, that God will deal with them in, in, in the way that he sees fit. That when you start looking for, hey, what happened to so-and-so? Remember, they were pushing this evil agenda. What happened to them? You won't be able to find them because everything that they were trying to push will cease to come into existence. All of those plans will be will, will be stopped. All those plans will be canceled out when God actually steps in. We just need to step back and we just need to be patient. There's a difference, however, between waiting and being patient. There's a difference between waiting and being patient. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. The difference between waiting and patience. And the difference all boils down to what you're doing during that period that you're waiting. Now, the similarities between waiting and patience is the fact that you are waiting. But here's the big difference, all right? When you're waiting for something, it's because there's a timeline associated with that. There's a schedule that needs to be kept to, uh, that needs to be adhered to in order for that thing that you're waiting for to arrive on time. There's a deadline in which you should be receiving that thing. That's waiting. All right. When I order a package from Amazon, all right, what I know is that I will receive an email when that package gets shipped and I get a tracking number. I can then watch that package as it make its, makes its way from, from the shipping location to my house. And in fact, when it even gets closer, on the day of delivery, when it gets to a certain point, it gets close to being delivered to me, I'll get a notification that says it's 10 stops away. And then I can actually track that package on a map and see exactly where it is. That's me waiting for a package. It also means that while I'm waiting, that package could end up either getting delayed in transit to where it doesn't come on time. It could get lost. And anyone that's ever done any kind of online shopping, you do enough of it at some point, a package of yours gets, gets lost and you've got to work with the company to get a, to get a new one shipped to you or could actually end up being delivered to someone else. When we're being patient, however, we are waiting, but we recognize that things come in God's timing and not our own. We don't put a timeline on God and say, God, I need this by this date. I need this to come to me over here at this location on this date during this time because I've got other things to do. That's the difference between waiting and patience. Patience has nothing to do with a timeline. It's knowing that it'll get here when the time is right and it's not going to get lost 
and it's not going to be delivered to someone else. You know, my wife and I, we ordered some cookies, uh, I believe it was last week or so. And um, uh, she was at work and placed the order and, and sent me a message saying, hey, I just got a message saying that uh, the person delivering the cookies is walking up to the house right now. And I remember, you know, texting her back. I said, there's nobody here. You know, I'm looking out the window, looking through the peephole. Nobody's here, you know. And I don't know, five, ten minutes go by or so and the doorbell finally rings and somebody comes and they have the cookies in, in, in their hand and they give them to, giving them to me in the box. And I think it was, I thought it was the delivery driver and it wasn't. It happened to be my neighbor that's down the street and around the corner that was delivering the cookies to me because he had the same house number that I have. And the person that delivered it somehow confused the two different houses, even though we're both on two different streets, all right, two different streets, but we had the same house number. Somehow the delivery driver dropped it off to his location instead of mine. See, when we're patient in God and we trust God, we know that whatever he's going to deliver us is going to come to us. It's not going to go to somebody else. It's not going to get lost. It's not going to get returned back to the shipper. All right. It's going to come to us. That's the difference between waiting and patience. So again, you're waiting. Both both uh, require you to wait. But the difference, main difference between the two is that while you're waiting, you're constantly checking for that, that thing to be delivered according to a timeline. When you're patient, you recognize that God will deliver it to you right when you actually need it. God wants us to focus on him and not what it is that he promised us. When we focus on the things that we he promised us, we become impatient and try to help God in order to speed up the process. I'm going to say that again. When we focus on the thing that God said he's going to give us, instead of focusing on him, we become impatient and try to help God so we can speed up the process. When we do this, no good ever comes of it. No good ever comes of it. And we're going to look at what happened with Abram um, when God made him a promise. So turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 15. Good old Abram. Genesis chapter 15. And we're going to start in verse number one. We're going to look at what happens when we try to rush God's process and we try to get things done according to God's time, uh, our timeline versus God's timeline. So Genesis 15, verse number one. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless and the heir of my house is Elizer of Damascus? And Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. Now, here's the thing, okay? God will not allow evil things to happen to us that we are unable to handle, okay? And he will, he will reward us abundantly for our patience. What we see here is Abram is now asking God and saying, look, Lord, I've been patient. You know, I've been doing all these things and you've been giving me all this. But, but what are you going to give me in return? Right? What, what are you going to give me in return? In verse one, we see God telling Abram, don't be afraid. I'm your shield. You're exceedingly great reward. And so he's showing he's showing Abram here and telling him that, listen, there's nothing for you to worry about. I've got your back. OK, I'm going to reward you and I've been rewarding you and I will protect you from things that you aren't able to handle. But Abram is saying, OK, well, great. That's all fine and well. But now what are you going to give me? All right. Verse number four. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, this one shall be your this one shall not be your heir. He's talking about Eliza. 
one of the one of the servants there. So he's saying he won't be his heir. This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. So Abram had faith. OK, he knew God would do it because God said that he would. And you see there in verse number in verse number four, God is kind of is correcting Abram here and saying, no, 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 no. That one that you thought was going to be your heir, that's not going to be your heir. You're going to have a child and the child that you have, that child is going to be your heir. A question for us, as we see in verse number six, is that and he he being Abram believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. The question for us is, do you believe the scriptures that we that we read earlier? Do you believe the scriptures that we read in Psalm 37 that talks about how we need to just wait patiently for God? Because those wicked schemes that come to pass, they will soon cease to exist. That God will step in. Do you really, 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 really believe it? If you don't believe it, then there's no way that you can exercise patience. If we don't believe that God is going to step in. If we don't believe that God uh, um, sees everything that's going on and that he has a master plan that all of these things are falling into, then there's no way that we can be patient. There's no way that we can be patient. In verse 6, Abram said, he it says he believed the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. So if Abraham believed them, then certain things should be happening. But we're going to see what happens, okay? Verse number 7, then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of your of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. So God is reminding him, I took you out of this. All right. I took you out of this, uh, uh, out of your, uh, and, and gave you this land for you to inherit. So God is kind of reminding me, I did this for you. Verse number eight. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? So he's got a little bit of doubt. How am I going to know that I'm going to inherit this land? So he said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then he brought all these to him and cut them in two down the middle. And he placed each opposite uh, opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds in two. And when the vultures came down to the carcass, uh, carcasses, Abram drove them away. Verse 12. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs. And will serve them and they will afflict them 400 years. Underline that. They will afflict them 400 years. And also the nation whom they serve, I will judge. Uh, afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham saying, listen to this. So he's making a promise to Abraham now. All right. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying to your descendants, have I given this land from the river of the uh, of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the Ken the Kenites, the Kenizzites. And the Cadmonites and the Hittites, the Perizzites, uh, the Raphites, uh, the Raphi, Raphi, excuse me, the Amorites, 
they had the Canaanites, the Gergesites, and the Jebusites. Okay, so now we see here, pause there for a second, we, we see here that God is telling Abram now, here's my covenant and this is what your descendants are, are going to get. Through these scriptures here, what we see is that God was letting Abraham know what was going to be happening to his descendants. He was telling Abram that, listen, um, and I, Abram and Abraham, Abram's name gets changed later on in scripture to Abraham. So um, same, same individual here. Uh, but what God was telling Abram is like, listen, I'm going to bless your descendants. Okay. I told you, you're going to have all of these descendants more than the stars and you can count. Okay. But there's going to be some things, some turmoil that they're going to have to face. There's going to be some issues that they're going to have to deal with. And what's, and what we also need to remember is that there is a price to pay when we have to, when, when we follow God, when we make that decision to follow God. It's not always easy. There are sacrifices and things that must be made. It's, it's, it can be tough and it can be challenging at times, but that's what we do. But we have a God that's awesome, that loves us so much and cares for us that he's not going to allow us to fail. No matter how tough the journey might be, he's not going to allow us to fail. All right. So while Abraham and his seeds were going to be blessed, they were also going to face some hard times. This is the price that we pay at times for following God. But we have a God again, and we have a God who cares about us, so we don't have to face these hard times alone. The stuff that's happening in the world, these decisions that are being made, these laws that are being passed around us that we see that we know contradict the word of God, we don't have to worry about how we will need to respond to those things. We don't need to have to worry about how those laws may impact us. Why? Because we have a God that's going to fight for us. We have a God that's going to be there for us. We don't have to do it alone. Now, the Amorites were allowed to live in the promised land for quite some time, despite having some idols. So just a little bit of background here. God was going to be dealing with them in the future. What these scriptures also show us is that God's patience isn't without his limits. God's patience isn't without his limits. While we may have to face hard times, God will reconcile the evil that has been brought on us. God will reconcile the evil that has been brought on us. So again, we just have to be patient. We just have to watch. We have to let God be God. Let God do his thing. The Amorites um, um, persecuting uh, the, the Israelites, all of this was fit within God. This, all of this was part of God's master plan. All of it was part of God's master plan, okay? So he was going to allow these things to, to, to happen, and he let them stay in that promised land even though they were doing these things. But again, he had a bigger plan. Something we need to think about is this. How many of us would continue to follow God if he showed us the challenges that we would have to face? How many of us would be willing to do that? Think about the situations you've had in your life. And I certainly can rattle off a bunch of uh, trials and tribulations that I've had that I've stepped back so many times during that time and say, Lord, why are you having me go through this? Why me? What is it that, 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 what did I do to, 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 to put myself into this situation? And, and times I've asked God, like, Lord, is there something that I missed? Did I, did I offend you in some way? And, and you turned your back on me because, because I've got something going on here that I need, I should have dealt with. And now I'm in this situation. All right. And there's times when God said, no, this is part of the growth process. This is part of me strengthening your spiritual muscles. This is part of me taking you from where you are now to where I need you to be. And that's how God operates in our lives. And I'm not going to lie. There's things that I've been through that if I'd known that I was going to have to go through those as being a child of God, I definitely probably would have questioned whether or not I was going to walk down that path. 
I definitely was going to question it. And we need to be honest about that. If you knew what was going to happen to you next month for following God, would you continue to walk down this path that you're on right now? Or would you try to change God's process and go about a different, a different way? God doesn't always show us the things that are going to come before, come before us. He doesn't always show us the trials that we're going, to, we're going to have to face, but he does this for a reason. He does this so he can save us from ourselves. If you were driving down the street, say you're driving down the highway to go to some place, if you know that there was going to be a 15-car pileup on that uh, or sometime during your, your, your travel there, would you continue to go down that, take that route to where it is you're going? No, you're probably not. You're going to adjust your route so that you can avoid that traffic. Most GPSs nowadays, when you plug in your destination, it'll alert you if there's an accident that's that, that that's uh, ahead or if there's some something up there that's going to slow down traffic. And based off of the new estimated time of arrival, it will even say to you, there's an alternate route. Would you like to take it? And you can actually take an alternate route. So God doesn't show us because he doesn't want us to take an alternate route. He wants us to trust in him. He wants us to, to keep our focus on him. And when he doesn't show these things, it just shows that he's a merciful and loving God, a merciful that loving and loving God. And that's why he doesn't show us everything, because he knows that our natural reaction is to say, I want to avoid the harm. No person in their right mind, OK, barring some sort of uh, mental disability or something to that nature. No person wants to wants to actually go through troubling times. No person wants to actually deal with trials and tribulations. No person wants to have heartache and pain and and and, and sorrow and and sadness. No one wants it in their right mind really wants to would ever want that on themselves. We don't wish those things on ourselves. So God knows that if He was to show that to us, we would do whatever we could to avoid that. We would do whatever we could to avoid that. Despite seeing what God showed him, Abram was still willing to follow God's plan. But he did become impatient. And we're going to look at that. We're going to continue on here in Genesis. And we're just going to continue on um, after these scriptures. We're going into verse number, or excuse me, chapter number 16. So continue on in Genesis here, chapter 16, verse number one. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had born, had born him no children. And she had an Egyptian servant whose name, who, uh, whose name was Hagar. Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarah. Okay, of Sarai. Now, remember we talked about evil schemes, okay? We're talking about evil schemes. Most of the time when we think of something evil, we think of some sort of major catastrophe, something that would just knock your socks off in terms of how evil and 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 unrighteous it is and unholy it is but the reality is that anything that is sinful is going to be evil anything that goes against the word of god is evil no matter how small you might see you might you might think it is okay so while this may not sound all things comparatively speaking while this may not sound like an evil plot or an evil scheme it is an evil scheme that sarai came up with because sarai blamed god for not having for not having children and then she devised this plan to actually help God. Because you see in verse 2, she says, See now the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. So she's not trusting in God's plan. She's not trusting what Abram told her. All right, What she's saying is, look, 
The reality of it is, Abram, look, all right, I can't have kids. God's not going to allow me to have kids. However, why don't you go take my servant and have it, and maybe I can have a child with her. And what did Abraham, uh, Abram do at the end of verse 2? And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. Deceit can come from those who are the closest to you. Even though Abram knew what God had promised him, he forgot about God's awesome power. This is another reason why we need to keep our focus on God and not anything else. Verse number three. Then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. After Abram had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan. So he went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw, when she had saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. And then Sarai said to Abram, my wrong be upon you. I gave my maid into uh, into your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between you and me. So Abram said to Sarai, indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarai dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. So Sarai dealt harshly with, 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 with Hagar, and Hagar, and Hagar fled from her presence, which is so interesting because if you look, if you, if you look at how these things happen, and, and looked at no, nothing good came out of this decision. All right, Sarai gave the the the, the plan. Told came up with the plan. Told Abram. Abram said, "Okay, well, well, that that sounds like a plan. We'll go ahead and do the plan." All right. Now that she's conceived, now all of a sudden Sarai is getting angry with Hagar. All right, and now she fled with her. She fled from her presence. All right. Strife and anger was was the result of Abram not trusting God and listening to someone else. When we make decisions to help God to speed up the process, and if we actually attain what we thought God was going to give us, we don't actually get to enjoy it. For those of us that have kids, you know there's nothing more joyous than being able to have a child. And I know for me, with both my kids, when my wife was pregnant, just the the, the joy and excitement leading up to it, all right? The movement, the kicking, the watching, watching my wife put headphones on, on, on her, on her belly so that the, 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 the baby could hear, could hear some music. All right. Watching how, you know, my wife, certain foods that she would eat would, especially my daughter, certain foods that my wife would eat would trigger my daughter to start moving around in all sorts of, all sorts of ways. And to one point when we were in the hospital, when she was ready to give birth there and, and the, the nurse said, well, you know, uh, baby's not moving as much as we like. So we're going to give you some graham crackers and apple juice because that sugar should get her to move. And I remember I looked at the nurse and I said, good luck with that. Okay. She looked at me kind of funny and she said, mm -hmm. and I said, good luck with that. That's not going to make her move. But if you give her a corn dog and my wife was kind of joking about it, she said, well, if you give me a corn dog, she'll start flipping and doing all sorts of things. All right. Now I say all that to say was that that was a joyous time and having kids is a joyous occasion. Now, why would anybody going sidetracking just a little bit, you think it, you look at what's going on in this particular country. Why would anybody celebrate and push an agenda that would kill a baby before it's even born. Totally ungodly, okay? Totally ungodly, all right? There's a plan that God has for children, okay? So we should not be celebrating and supporting uh, any kind of agenda that, 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 would, that would allow God, not allow God's plan to come to fruition for a child. This was supposed to be a joyous occasion, but because it was something that was done absent God, it wasn't a joyous occasion. 
The child wasn't even born yet, and there was strife within the family, all because of a lack of patience. Verse number seven. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for uh, counted for multitude. OK, so what was happening here is that this angel is telling is in essence is telling Hagar, listen, all right. There was a promise that was made to Abraham regarding his descendants. OK, there was a promise that was be given, been, been given to him about him also having bear, bearing a child. All right. And because God made that promise, this is still going to carry over to Hagar's child. Why? Because God always keeps his promises, always keeps his promises. God's intention was not for Abram and Hagar to have a child, but since they did, God wasn't going to renege on what he said he was going to give them. So this is why this angel is telling, is telling uh, Hagar that, he's, that he was going to um, multiply her descendants exceedingly so that they should not be counted as multitude because that's what God told uh, Abram early on when he told him to number the stars. Okay, The thought of having a baby with a woman who was believed to be fertile created a shiny object that became a distraction from God's plan. So Abram wanted to have a child. Sarai said, God is not permitting me to have a child. Go take somebody else. Abram said, okay. He lost patience. He lost patience. The thought of having a child, which is something that he wanted, then created this shiny object. And he went after that shiny object. This is why we have to be careful again to make sure we're keeping our focus on God and not on something else, not on the thing that he said he was going to give us. Because there's going to be all sorts of shiny objects in our lives, all sorts of them. We got to make sure that we keep our focus, however, on God. Verse number 12, he shall be a wild man. Listen to this now. He shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man and every man's against him. Every man's hand against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Then she called the name of the Lord who uh, called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees. For she said, have I also here seen him who sees me? Therefore, the well was called Beer Lahai Roy. Observe it is uh, observe. It is between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram named his son, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abraham. To Abram, excuse me. All right, underline that in verse 16. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram, right? What we see here is that there are consequences for us when we rush what God is trying to do. While Hagar was going to have many descendants as well because of God's promise to Abram, Ishmael was going to be a terror. Ishmael was going to be a terror. He was going to be a wild man, as verse 12 says, and his hand was going to be against every man and every man's hand against him. So there were grave consequences for, 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 for Abram not following God's plan. And if, we, and if you read on... And you look through history uh, with, with Ishmael, the, the, um, Ish, the Ishmaelites that were created um, from this, from this root of Ishmael was also is what led, is led to uh, modern day, modern day Islam. 
All right. And I'm not going to get into the, the Islamic religion or anything like that, but they don't believe in God. They don't believe in Jesus Christ and, or everything like that. So you can see that this action that, that God, that um, Abram, Sarai and Hagar agreed to had grave consequences that we're still dealing with today, that we are still dealing with today. We need to not put faith in our own process, but put faith in God's processes. We can see God work in amazing ways when we are patient. If we can just hold on and be patient, we can see God work in all sorts of amazing ways. The problem, though, is that we always get in, get in, our, in our own way. All right? We get in our own way because we don't want to trust God's process. Okay. Now, we're going to jump along in Scripture here because we see here that that, that, that Ishmael was born to Abram when he was 86 years old. Now, again, that wasn't part of God's original plan, all right? And that's another thing about God's plan, okay? When God tells you he's going to give you something, understand that whatever action you are going to take related to that or whatever action he wants you to take related to that, it's not going to be a sinful action. It's not going to be a sinful action. God told Abram he was going to have a child. God didn't need to tell Abram that you need to have a child with your wife. Abram should have already known that. Why? Because it would have been a sin to then go ahead and do what he did. But he did it anyway. So when God is telling you to, call, to take an action, it's not going to be anything that's going to contradict his word. It's not going to be anything that's going to contradict his word. Now, how would this situation play out in our lives potentially? Okay. The way this can, can play out pretty the, 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 the pretty easily would be with things related to the job, all right? Maybe you're in, a, in, in the workplace there and you're dealing with all sorts of people that are getting on your nerves and policies that are, 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 are being written that don't make sense and, and you think certain things should be done a certain way, but they're not being done that, that way. And instead of you sticking it out, you decide, I'm going to get another job. I'm going to run away from what's going on here at work. I'm going to go get another job. But then when you obtain that job, those same issues in that job are now, or in that old job, are now in the new job, all right? And you're constantly seeking out another job, and you're going on interviews and applying, and nothing seems to be coming about, and the next you know something pops up, and it's easy for you to obtain the job. The interview was easy, and the, the panel loved you, and then you get pulled into that job. But the next you know, after some time goes by, those same issues crop up again. Those same issues that you dealt with before, the same reasons, the reasons why you left the previous place now are popping up in this new place. That's a sign there that you might have left without having patience in what God was trying to do. And if you look at your life and if you see certain problems going, uh, popping up everywhere you go, that should be an eye opener to let you know that, hey, there's something that I'm missing. There's something God is trying to show me. There's something God is trying to, to create in me and trying to grow in me that I'm missing. And I'm running from the problem as opposed to uh, uh, dealing with the problem the way God wants me to deal with it. I'm, I'm waiting versus being patient because I, because I have a timeline. If God, if you don't deal with it by this time, I'm going to get another job. And then I go get another job and then those same issues pop up. Okay, That's one way it could show up. Maybe you're looking for a house. Okay. Maybe you're looking for a house. You, the place you're living in is too small. Maybe the neighborhood is too, is, 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 um, is, is getting worse and getting worse. And, and you need to get you and your family out of that particular neighborhood. 
and you're looking at house after house and anyone that's ever house shop, you know, you look at house after house after house and do all of these things. It's not a quick process. But then what happens is, is you get weary. You get worn down. You get tired of looking. Okay. And because you get tired of looking, you end up settling for something. And you forget what scripture says that those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and they shall not faint. And we forget that script, those scriptures there. And we just say, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and settle for this house. Meanwhile, you go ahead and you obtain that house and there's all sorts of issues wrong with it. All right. Maybe it passes inspection. Okay. Maybe there's some things that you have to repair on it that, that the owner, that the seller won't repair. You move in, furnace breaks, garage door doesn't work anymore. That crime area that you thought you got away from is you didn't. There's actually crime in your neighborhood. The neighborhood isn't as good as what as you thought it was because you didn't seek God. Now you're stuck living in a place because you've got a mortgage attached to that house. That's another way that it could play out. So we have to make sure that we don't move too quickly. God makes us wait because he knows waiting is better for us. Than if we, and if he moved too quickly and according to our timeline, we would perish. Let's jump along to, to the last few uh, closing scriptures here. And we're going to stay in the book of Genesis, but we're going to go to Genesis chapter 21. Genesis 21, and we're going to go to verse number one. Okay, so we're going to jump along here. So the last scriptures we saw was that um, um, God told God told Hagar that, that, that she was going to have many descendants, right, through Ishmael, but Ishmael was going to be wild, all right, and Ishmael was going to be uh, um, fighting everyone. He wasn't going to be uh, the, 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 he wasn't going to have the same promise that we'll see, what we'll, we'll see here. So that's what God, that's what, that's what the angel of the Lord was telling Hagar. So now we're going to fast forward here and we're going to see God's plan. Genesis 21, verse 1. And the Lord visited Sarah, now her name is Sarah, okay, uh, he changed the name. The name is now Sarah. And uh, so, and the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. So in previous scriptures, the God told Sarah that you were going to have a, a, a child. Okay. God then came and said, you're going to have a child now. All right. So that was some, some of the scriptures uh, earlier that we, that we skipped over. So if you are not familiar with the story, I would encourage you to, to read those. All right. So here we see verse one again, and the Lord visited Sarah as he said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age. So now we see his name is now Abraham. At the set time which God had spoken to him. Underline that in verse 2. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age. At the set time which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him. Uh, whom Sarah bore to him Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he uh, when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now, Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born. Underline that. Now, Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh and all who hear him and all who hear will laugh with me. She also said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? For I have borne him a son in his old age, okay? I have borne him a son in his old age. 14 years after Ishmael was born, Isaac was born. 14 years. This is a reminder that God is never in a rush and we should never rush God. 
everything happens according to God's timeline. You don't have to go there now, but 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 9, in the Amplified says, Nevertheless, do not let this one fact escape your notice. Beloved, that with the Lord, one day is, as a, is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. The Lord does not delay as though he were unable to act and, as, uh, and is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is extraordinarily patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So God oftentimes wait because he knows that we will perish if he moves too quickly. If he moves too quickly. You give the keys to a, of a, uh, to a car to a child that has not learned how to drive, they will perish. If you're not careful, you can put them in a situation where they can get into a terrible accident and lose their life if they have not gone through the process of learning how to operate a vehicle, to learn the rules of the road. Because after all, it's one thing to know how to turn on the ignition of a car, put it in gear, drive, make turns, slow down, stop, speed up. That's one thing. But can you do that within the laws of the land regarding speed limits and when to turn and stop lights and stop signs and yield signs and all those other things and traffic and dealing and, and dealing with all of that? Can you do it within that and in, in, in those uh, with those restraints on? If not, then that means you can't safely operate a motor vehicle. So God knows that, you know what, you might be good at that. You might be good at that. But the thing you are getting ready to step into, you're not ready for just yet. You're not ready for it just yet. That's why it hasn't come to pass. That's why you must be patient and that's why you must wait. Because if we move according to our timeline, then we could actually perish, all right? So even here, you can see that Sarah now is joyful because she bore Abraham a son. She didn't think Abraham was gonna be able to have a kid at his old age, but he did when he turned 100 years old. God comes right on time. Don't be worried if it seems like God is taking too long. He knows exactly what he's doing and he knows when the best time to act will be. The evil that is in this world, it will be dealt with. Make no mistake about it. It will be dealt with. The lies that are being told, they will be exposed. The people that are pushing for unholy things to be the norm, they will have to answer to God. They will have to answer to God at some point. In God's perfect timing, he will take care of it. And all we need to do is just be patient, to trust God's plan, to trust God's process, and to let God be God. Let God be God. Praise God. Well, I hope this message was a blessing to you. And uh, before we close, uh, let's end with a prayer. Dear Lord God, Jehovah, most awesome and wonderful Lord God, I just want to thank you for this message that came forth today, Lord God. And I want to pray for everyone that has heard this message, Lord, that you would help us to be patient, that you would help us to wait on you, to not put timelines around the things that you want to accomplish in our lives, to totally surrender our timelines and the things we want to get done to you so that we can sit back and just watch you work, strengthen our faith as you work, Lord God, and, and continue to just show us your mighty hand. Lord God, I want to thank you for continuing to keep us safe and for continuing to pro provide for us. I speak blessings to all those that have heard this message, Lord God, and ask that you would just encourage us to share these words with others, for it is not your will for any to perish. 
We praise you, we love you, Lord God, and we thank you for all your wonderful blessings, both great and small. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen and amen. Well, praise God. I hope this message was a blessing to you. And if it was, think about sharing it with others. We can be reached at genesis1.sermon.net. Uh, and Genesis 1, that's one word, so Genesis1.sermon.net. On that website, there's uh, all of our podcasts that, that are posted in these video messages as well. And then if you click on the subscribe button, you'll get notified anytime uh, that new content is posted. You can also find us on YouTube uh, at Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. You can just search Genesis 1 Christian Ministries, two words there, uh, in YouTube. And you'll also find our videos on there. And then on the Google Play Store and the Apple App Store, we have a Genesis 1 app that also allows you to uh, access our content as well. And everything free of charge. We just want to make the word of God uh, available to everyone because it's not God's will for any for any to perish. So praise God. I pray that you go, go in his peace, that you go with his perfect blessings, that you have a renewed strength to uh, um, to be patient and waiting on, on God's timeline. And that you remember that you can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. Praise God. Be blessed. And I sing praises to you.